0: Welcome to the Diversity at Work podcast, where we unpack what it's really going to take to close the gender gap in the workplace. Here is your host, leadership coach and diversity consultant, Andrea Jansen. Episode is sponsored by Duckish Natural Skincare. I am super excited that they have jumped on board to sponsor the show because I actually know Carolyn Crew, the founder, personally. A couple of years ago, before there was a Reignite Your Ambition coaching program, before there was a workshop, before there was an Ambitious Everyday Journal, I had an idea for an exercise to help people get clear on what drives their ambition so that they could set goals feel fulfilled, and have something to strive for. So before I could do that, I actually had a group of entrepreneurs that I knew, and I asked them if I could test the exercise on them. So I asked Carolyn, what is the something that you're striving for? What drives your ambition? What motivates you to get up every day and go to work? And she said, two percent. And I didn't really expect an answer like that. And I asked her to explain. And she said that only 2% of women entrepreneurs actually reach a million dollars in annual revenue in their businesses. And that is what motivated her to start Duckish Natural Skincare. They have lotion sticks, lip balm baby products and bath products. They're really innovative. And my favorite product is their lotion stick. It looks like deodorant, but it's actually lotion. So you just rub it on your legs, you rub it on your arms, your hands, your face. You can even use it as a lip balm. And I love it because it's solid. And when I travel, I can keep it in my carry-on and I don't need to worry about having too much liquid to get through security. And for all of the Diversity at Work listeners, Duckish is offering you 15% off of your order. So you need to head to duckish.ca, that is D-U-C-K-I-S-H dot C-A and enter the promo code diversity at work at checkout and you will get 15% off of your order. The way I see it is that if you need to buy lotion anyways, Might as well buy it from a women-owned business so that you can do your part to close the gender gap. They ship to the US and Canada, so head to duckish.ca and enter the promo code DIVERSITYATWORK and you will get 15% off. Hello, and on this episode of the Diversity at Work podcast, I am having a conversation with Gail Bannock. We used to work together about 12 years ago when we were both early in our careers at Canadian Tire. And the thing I admire most about Gail is her ability to create opportunities for herself. Whenever she felt ready for a promotion, she literally went out and got it. And in most cases, it happened by moving organizations. And I wanted to invite her onto the podcast to share those strategies with you because the truth is, no matter how good you are, It's not going to be handed to you on a silver platter, and sometimes going out and getting it for yourself is the best way forward. So let's dive into the conversation. I'm super excited to share it with you. Hi, Gail. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. We haven't seen each other in, I think we said, 12 years, 12 years, um, Thank we, you so much for having me. Awesome. So we, Jill and I used to work together at Canadian Tire and I was thinking about people that are influential that I wanted to have on the podcast and have their story shared. And you were one of the people that came to mind. Thank so you. can you, you're welcome. So can you take a minute and introduce yourself and tell everybody listening what you do?
1: Sure. So, uh, I have, I consider myself a business person and I've had, uh, various jobs within the business world. I started out as an analyst working with you. Um, and then I kind of changed. I, I did a few career changes. I went into research and insights um, and, and then strategy and did some marketing work um, and various different uh, you know, retailers mostly, a few CPG companies. Um, I had a, a, um, a few uh, forced career moves and a few uh, optional career moves. Um, And then uh, most recently, I was back at Canadian Tire after 10 years of being elsewhere. I went back into the digital space um, and uh, worked in customer experience. And then now I am uh, at Indigo as their chief kids officer, um, the vice president of kids, running the kids portfolio um, for all of our Indigo kids stores, which is just a dream job. Amazing.
0: (laughs) It sounds like really, really amazing. And you're also
1: on the board for Lean In Canada. Yes, I am. So uh, I'm the director of strategic initiatives. um, And our big strategic initiative right now is mentorship. Um, And so I am running our mentorship program uh, that we launched this year. It's a pilot program. Um, And uh, we're, we're just we're growing so fast in Canada, we just opened we kind of separated the national board from our uh, Toronto chapter. So our Toronto chapter is thriving. Um, And we just opened uh, last year. We opened uh, the Vancouver chapter and this year we opened the Calgary chapter. So um, there's lots of places to go and there is, uh, there And I can talk about it a little bit more later on, but there are a lot of circles popping up all over the country as well, which is part of the Lean In initiative.
0: That's amazing. So I know that we're both really passionate about getting more women into leadership. and But I want to go way back to Canadian Tire when we worked together, because I don't remember anybody talking about this, but I'm curious what you remember back in the day. So this was, I think, 2004 five ish
1: two- yeah 2006 yeah 2005 2006 yeah i mean I, I don't remember anybody talking about it then um i i know that i personally have always been a, a proud feminist. I was always impressed with. I followed women um, like Gloria Steinem. I my my mother always talked about it, um, and so I always and I always had this genuine feeling of injustice whenever things weren't fair. Um, but I didn't have a name for it, and I didn't have the words, and I didn't have the uh, ability to talk about it openly with people, and and even just. I mean, I would say the word feminist, but not as wildly as it is um, said today. Uh, but no, I don't think that people talked about it at all. Um, and it was, it was just kind of felt by those. And, and it was, I, I would almost say, taboo. I would almost say that when I would say things, I remember saying things in, you know, even with my friends where I would be outraged about something and uh, they were like, oh my gosh, you're so crazy, you know, to, to say these things. Where for me, it was just like, this isn't fair. It's just a basic feeling when something's not right.
0: So when we worked together, we were both like, very motivated, fresh out of school, like the excited about building these careers. And I remember not even noticing that there was less women in leadership. Like I didn't even notice I literally thought like if I work hard, like I can, I can do we can all do this. It's not going to be harder. It's I didn't even really think that there was less women in leadership like i didn't even notice did you well,
1: i think the problem is that when you're starting there actually it depends what you define as leadership because when you're an analyst um your manager is likely a woman because there are plenty of women managers at the bottom so i if i recall my woman was my boss was a woman and her boss was a woman um and we reported to the same person so we actually and we had it also depends where you are um, I mean, if you're in STEM, that's probably not the case. If you are in um, in marketing, that's very often the case. If you're in HR, that's the case. If you know, it might even be the case in legal, where people feel very comfortable having women. Um, but if you are in other areas in in business and outside of business, then it's definitely not the case. But I, I what I have found um, in my career is that. When people and, and companies are very comfortable with having women leaders, at us up to a certain level, and then it just they just hit that glass ceiling, Um, and uh, and then they it just stops. So I think when you're first starting out, you may not think there's a problem because there kind of isn't a problem. There isn't if your boss is a woman and her boss is a woman, then everything's fine, right? Nobody and at that point in your career, in your early 20s, you're not looking at you know executive level necessarily um, and, and you don't notice it.
0: Yeah. I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? Cause when I started, I had a woman manager as well. So I'm like, you know what? I just need to get to that next step. And then when I'm there, then I'll worry about everything else. So I'm not really looking at the big picture at that stage, but right. I think what's different for young people today is that we're talking about this. So people know that, you know what, there's some different things. There's some, there's things going on and you know what, we need to do something about it.
1: Absolutely. And I think the other difference, um, and I think it's really, really important. And, and I actually don't know that we're as far along in this, um, is that men need to be talking about it because, uh, women can talk about it all day. And, uh, so job one is yes, women need to talk about it and, and have conversations and, and empower each other and, um, and talk about it. But at the end of the day, uh, it, we, we need to get the men on board too. And, and I've had many conversations, I actually had. Um, a conversation with somebody in uh, my past job who uh, actually worked for me, and and he had no idea that there was a problem. And it wasn't until uh, myself and this other woman on my team that started pointing out our, you know, executive leadership and saying, "Find us the women." <laughs> and uh, and the other challenge, um, and I, I heard this uh, on I don't remember where, but uh, they talked about the the tipping point of when there it's not just one woman on, on a, you know, on the executive leadership team or as a, as a leader, when you have one, people look at her and assume that she is um, an an exception. When there are two, then people are like, yeah, okay, but that's not really it either. Three is where people really feel like there is momentum. And so um, I think there is, there's actually a campaign around get um, three get three women on board or something like that, where it's like, we need to get three because one she's, her voice is going to be drowned. She's not going to be actually be able to have an impact. Um, Two doesn't really mean anything either. And so it's not that we just, that we want one woman in a senior leadership position. We need there to be enough of them for, for young people to be able to see that they need to be able to use the, the plural women.
0: Yeah, totally. I love that you said they need to see. So it's like you need that role model. So you need to and it's totally happens unconsciously. It's like if you don't see women doing the role, the thought doesn't even cross your mind that it's a possibility for you. So getting like that critical mass up there, it's like you put the cart before the horse, like women in leadership, get more women. Absolutely,
1: leader. I've had so many women come up to me at lean in events, um, or even in the workplace, uh, and and they've been just. I, and I, I'm often surprised, even, uh, but they've been so grateful for the opportunity to see me and other women who are in more senior positions with families um, who are able to, you know, do the impossible. And I think a lot of young women today, and, and they've told me, they think that they can't do both. They're worried that one will suffer um, if they have a family, that they can't have a career. And if they have a career, they can't have a family. And, and, and I, I can't urge them enough to say, like, it's not it's not one or the other. You absolutely can do it and and, and do both well and enjoy both. And, and so I think having the the opportunity to see those women Achieve success in all areas of life uh, is really important.
0: Yeah, 100%. And you've got three kids. You got this big job at Indigo. You're in charge of everything, kids at, I think it's our biggest, the biggest like books, books, like gift, general merchandise store in Canada. So yeah. that's pretty amazing. And you're killing it at both. So oh, I thank think- you.
1: My kids think of they've hit the jackpot. I keep coming home with toys every day. And I think I'm, I think I'm ruining them, but I have to kind of take a break. They're, they're really enjoying this new job of mine.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, they're kind of your test market, right? Totally,
1: totally. I literally said yesterday, I'm like, let me take this home and see if my, my son likes it. And I'll come back and let you know if we want it.
0: So I want to talk about, so we talked a little bit about men getting on board. And I 100% agree. Because if you think about where organizations are today, like at the very senior level, there's not that many women, that CEOs, I think it's 5% of CEOs in Canada are women. So you think about culture change, because if we want the workplace to be better for women, we need to change the culture. And culture starts at the top. So literally, like what you're doing, just starting the conversation with men and just educating them, I think you are spot on because men are not against women. It's like men want equality just as much as women do, but they just don't know what to do, they don't know what to say, they don't know who to ask. And so I just love that people like you, like in your team, you're just having that conversation and it's not judgmental. It's just about learning and sharing and getting
1: people on board. Absolutely. And I think what that's one of the things that actually attracted me to the lean in message. Um it, it was very controversial for anybody who knows. Uh Cheryl Sandberg wrote the book and uh got a lot of flack for um she was she was blamed for blaming women for the position that we're in, which I personally don't think is was a her intention, uh, and b that was not how I interpreted the book at all uh, or the message. And what I got out of it, which is what I think, lean in uh, speaks to, is that we are. It, it's up to us to to make the change. And so she talks about leaning in and leaning into your career where you can. Um, you know, not everybody can all the time. And, and that is true for me as well. I, I, I can't work, you know, till nine o'clock at night, every night, nor do I want to, um, and nor should I be expected to, if I, regardless of my gender. Um, so leaning in where you can. So I've, I've had many meetings where I walked into the room and I see the most junior woman. I was, I was actually at Target working with a, um, in a consulting company, and I saw the most junior woman sitting in the room and she was sitting on the side and there was plenty of room on the table uh, at the table for her to sit. And, uh, and I walked up to her and I said, you know, come join us at the table. And she said, Oh, I'm just waiting for everybody to come. And, you know, and I said, no, you have every right. To, I, Cause I knew she was doing all the work. I said, you have every right to be at this table, come and sit next to me. And so she was, um, and she and I have actually become really good friends since. So it really, it, it takes those little moments of deciding that you have the right to sit at the table and taking that, you know, making that choice and taking the seat and whether you say something or you don't, you're part of the conversation. Um, and there are many instances like that where, you know, again, Cheryl talks about, uh, in the book, she talks about not deciding, you know, making career decisions based on things that haven't happened yet in your family. Many women choose not to take a promotion because they think that it might affect their ability to raise children in years to come, and they're not even engaged or you know in a relationship. So it, it's making those uh, decisions that I think women need to for themselves, regardless of what else is happening in the world. And and I think the the world will greet us, um, you know, with with success if we come ready. To participate.
0: So one thing I want to add to this is about lean in. So I read the book when it first came out and it kind of hit me. I, I kind of have mixed feelings about it because the way I interpreted it was, it was time for me to lean into my own values and decide like what I want and make my career about what I want. Um, so I thought that was a really good takeaway for me, but I do, I understand the, the idea that people have about putting the onus on women to change, because we know that that is not really going to work.
1: No, and it's not, and it's not just, I think, I think where it comes from is this whole premise of you can, you know, you can change your own behavior that, that you have control over today. So I think it's more about what can you do today? And that is, that is on you. But yes, we have to be very active in in what I said earlier about having a conversation with men and making sure that they're involved because nothing's going to change unless the systems change. And you know, men help the the facilitation of this change, and and I've worked in organizations where I uh, led uh, women initiatives because the situation was so unfair, and and the men were very supportive and trying to make it happen. I, I think the problem is people genuinely don't know what to do. Um, the problem seems bigger than anybody and and so you know the the people who are going to be change we need people to talk about it, we need people to action it, we need people to take initiative, we need people to lean in um, in order for change to happen because this is bigger than anybody
0: totally and what i 've seen lean in kind of evolve as an organization which i 'm really impressed by is they 've gone from it started by Cheryl writing that book literally she started the conversation and yes like maybe some people were offended and, but she started it. Right. And that's what the book was. And now the organization from what I've seen, it's evolved into so much more than being about women talking about the gender gap. They have that study with McKinsey that was really highlighting that, you know, it's time for organizations to step up and do their part. There's some really interesting stats in that. Um, so I thought that was really cool and like the McKinsey's like the, one of the top consulting firms in the world. So like they're partnering with them and those are big decision makers. They're working with lots of big companies out there. So I feel like lean in is kind of taking it to the next level by saying, you know what, now it's time to have the conversation at a different level. Like let's bring other people on board.
1: Absolutely. And I think what's interesting is at least from my experience, I have learned that, you know, good intention Will only get you so far, and so a lot of these organizations organizations are that don't have women um, in senior leadership roles or in in important roles. It's not for lack of interest or wanting to help. They often don't understand that there are. Um, I can't. I don't even know what the term is, but there are integral things in their organization that are preventing women from from doing those things, and so whether it's not having flexible time so women feel comfortable leaving early because unfortunately they are the ones designated. Like even if you share the load and you know, your husband drops off the kids and you pick them up, um, that still means you have to leave. And if you're doing the walk of shame at 4.30, um, then that's, not, you know, that's frowned upon and you'll get punished for that and you won't get promoted. And, and there, are, there are things that organizations are doing that they're not even aware of that are causing the, the issues at work. And and those are the things we need to talk about. It's those, you know, sports events, it's the, you know, conversations that are happening essentially in the modern day locker room that they are excluded from. It's, it's, um, it's the lack of focus on helping women develop that are, that is, that is keeping women, um, it's keeping these, uh, these systems in place that are preventing women from six. Yeah,
0: totally. It's just about calling out that I, uh, one thing that I like to talk about is just, let's just acknowledge that promotions, the big decisions are made outside of the formal performance review system mm-hmm. and just recognize, you know what conversations happen in the locker room over beers That's at right. lunch during Absolutely. and I find it kind of empowering when you're like, you know what? Okay. Like now we need to figure out how to do something about this because these conversations are happening. Like, how do we get women included?
1: I heard this great uh, podcast uh, with this woman called Sally Krauchek. She's the founder of Elevest, which is an, uh, an investment company for women. And she talked about how the biggest decisions about your career happen when you're not in the room. And so, if you don't have somebody who is rooting for you and talking about you and um, working for you, then you you don't have backup. You don't have you're not going to get anywhere. And I've been in um, several positions in my career where I have had that person in the room, male or female. um, And those relationships are really important to cultivate to make sure that So I want to
0: take you take that back a little bit, because I want to talk about your career, because I find it really fascinating to watch, because you've had so many really cool opportunities. And the way I look at you, it's like, From the outside looking in, it's like when you felt ready for that next step, you literally just went for it and made it happen. But I'm really interested because you moved around to a lot of different companies, how you were able to maintain those relationships throughout and kind of leverage that fact that, you know, decisions are made about jobs when you're not there.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I've been um, fortunate to, and, and part of it is fortune and part of it is by choice. Um, so I, when we, we worked together at uh, Canadian tire, um, and I made the decision to leave, uh, to at at the recommendation of another colleague to try another organization, which was actually a toy company, um, which has served me very well. I met my husband there and, uh, in my current job, it's really amazing that I have that experience having worked there. Um, that was a very kind of, that was very opportunistic. I took advantage of the, I was, you know, I had a great job at Canadian Tire, um, but I really, I I wanted to do something new and I I felt that it it was just a a chance of a lifetime. And and I feel like I've had a lot of those where, and, and I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm open to new opportunities. And so I see them when they come up or, um, I'm, you know, I don't have a problem with risk. Um, as much as uh, as some people, but I, I took that opportunity, and then after several years, I I, I left and I went to work at Law Blah, which I thought was going to be, you know, a, a massive opportunity as well. It didn't work out to be. Um, And it kind of got interrupted by the opening of Target when Target came to Canada. And that felt like a once in a lifetime opportunity that I...
0: So I want to go back to when you talked about it not working out because you said you were like, I'm open with risks if people. Because I just think that's like, yeah, you take the risk and it's like, oh... This job is not
1: <laughs> absolutely, and you know what? I, don't know I knew that I knew on day one. I I kind of I was I went from a place where I the the culture was a great fit for me. The people were like my family. Uh, like I said, I met my husband there, and half of the company was at my wedding. Um, and and I went to this you know other organization that did not feel right for me. And, and I knew from day one that it wasn't right for me. Um, and I was kind of encouraged by my friends and mentors to stick it out and see how it goes. And I just knew that that was not going to work. And so I, I stayed for as long as it took me to find another opportunity. And um, But I, I, I feel like you have to listen to your gut. And if it doesn't feel right, then it's not right. So So how
0: did you know? Go let's go back to that first day. Like, how did you know like this is not the right fit for me? I cannot see myself building a long-term career at this company.
1: It's hard to explain gut. Um, but I I feel like I just I okay, here's how I would explain it. I know what my strengths are and I and if that if there is an organization that doesn't um, appreciate what I bring to the table, then it's not going to work out. And if, and, it, and so if I don't feel like I'm able to shine and, and do a great job for me and for them, then it's, gonna, it's not going to be a win win. It's, it's never going to work out. So I think that's what it was. I kind of felt like I, I bring all of these, you know, um, I don't want to say gifts, but like I, I know what I'm good at and nobody seems to care. <laughs> <laughs> which is you know I'm like okay and that's fine and um, they are looking for other things and other other gifts um, right everybody has unique gifts yeah and and that's okay and and it doesn't mean it's kind of like a it's a relationship it's kind of like you meet somebody and um, just because you don't get along doesn't mean that either person is a bad person it just means that it's a bad match and i think that's okay i mean how is i to know how are they to know you you know you you go through the interview process and you try your best and you to try to get to know each other, but it's a it's a couple of hour long interviews where everyone's on their best behavior and no one's really saying anything so how are you actually supposed to know so you you have to take the risk because you couldn't possibly know, and then when you get there, you know you either make it work, it's close enough, or you say, you know what I think we should see other people
0: Yes, I love it and then so then you're other people this is the one I want you to talk about so you had target yes. so when target launched to Canada, you were part of the launch team yes
1: so. It, amazing opportunity. Amazing. It, it was, it was ironic because I I felt like it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Little did I know it literally is probably going to be a once in a lifetime because I don't think they're coming back anytime soon. Um, but it was amazing. I mean, the, the group of people who worked there, it was just brilliant people that, you know, were all very like-minded, very type A, very, um, everybody was so ambitious. Everybody shared I've never been anywhere where literally everybody in the building shared the same dream, the same aspiration everybody was so like charged with we were going to do this. We were going to open, we were going to be amazing. Everybody loved the brand. It was ama- It was just like, crazy. It was amazing.
0: Okay. So I love the brand too. And I feel like this is the thing I would go to target and I always felt like I was the only one there. And I think that's probably a <laughs> why I'm not in Canada anymore. So tell me about kind of like the downfall and how you were able to recover from that. Because I feel like it's just like you're, it sounds like you're on this mountain and then it just crumbled beneath you.
1: Well, it was, it was funny because uh, we, you know, there, we before we opened, it was the most amazing you know, experience ever. Everybody, like I said, was charged and ready to go, and uh, every, and we thought everything was going to be amazing because all the signs pointed to to that. Our awareness levels were really high. Everybody loved us. We had a huge campaign, um, and I remember uh, somebody said to me at the time of like, "This is a dangerous place to be because when expectations are this high, there's only one place to go." Um, and then when we opened, Who and said
0: that to you, uh,
1: my boss actually. <laughs> um, uh and uh it was it was kind of a risky, risky place. But um, you know, there were uh when we opened and things kind of didn't go as planned, and then we were in recovery mode, and then it was solid year of going to barbecues and parties and everyone asking me, like, how's Target? Oh my god, it must be so awful. Meanwhile, it was wonderful because it was now it was a different energy it was a we have to turn this around and we're going to we're going to beat them and we're going to fix it and we're going to do this and it was still so engaging and and amazing um and then it it literally just ended um because you know we weren't uh we were not in the know i found out on the radio um and uh on my way to work and so it was very traumatic and it was very um, it was. It, it literally shook me to my core. I remember saying to my husband, uh, devastated. I said, "You know, I, I just don't understand because life teaches you that if you work hard, everything will work out, and it, you know, you just have to put in the work, and and so, and that's a core value of mine that I I genuinely believed and it's just not true. (laughs) Sometimes there are things out of your control that you can work as hard as you want. And, and there were a lot of people in that building working their asses off and, uh, it was, it was not good enough. Um, it, you know, it was not meant to be so that I had a period of four months, um, where I was first two months. I didn't really get out of bed. And then unfortunately there were a lot of other unemployed people who I was able to spend the day with and commiserate and eat cookies with. Um, and so I didn't even look for work. I was beside myself. Um, I went on a couple of interviews and, uh, and did a terrible job. Um, and then it was kind of time to get out of my breakup. Um, you know, death zone and, uh, and look for work. And I was able to find a fantastic job, um, at Labatt.
0: How did you get yourself ready for that interview? Because
1: it sounds like you need,
0: like you can't bring all that baggage to the interview
1: because it will shine through. Absolutely. And, um, uh, it, it was practice. It was actually, I really strongly believe in practicing. So go for every interview you can get your hands on. Even if you're not even interested in the job because it's practice, you will get better at telling your story, you'll get better at answering questions. I always say that the last thing you want to happen in an interview is get a question that you've never heard of like you you don't want to actually be thinking, "Oh wow, that's an interesting question." Every question in an interview should be well rehearsed and well planned out, and this is not a time for living on the edge. Um, you need to be focused and organized and so it was it was definitely practice, and um, I, I do remember even in my Labatt interview that uh, I was telling the, the Target story, and I was genuinely devastated that I wasn't there anymore, um, and, uh, and I remember saying, you know, yeah, and then Target closed, and I'm really upset, but I'm happy. I kind of caught myself, and I was like, but I'm happy that I'm here, you know, and I had to kind of, I had to realize that nobody cared. Like genuinely like everybody was very sad for me, but nobody cared that I was not at target anymore They were you know moving on with their life and I needed to too So I had to eventually pull myself together and the only time I let that out is with other target people Where we talk about how wonderful it was and how much we missed it
0: Wow, okay, that's great So then you went to labat and then just tell me about how I'm really curious because as you're moving up the ranks I know that you need to have sponsors. You need to have people that are talking about you that know what you're capable of that will kind of take that risk on you. And up until now, it just sounds like you went to the interview, like you had all this great experience, your resume kind of opened that door on its own and then you were able to deliver in the interview to get to that level. But now you're the VP. So at what point did it shift from being like, here's my track record, I can open this door myself to needing other people in your camp?
1: I think that it's always a combination. I, I look at my, uh, at my past and the leaders that I've had, and I, I, it's funny because one of the things that um, you know people talk about, women have a tendency to, uh, when asked how they got somewhere, women have a tendency to give credit to luck and other people, while men typically um, talk about their hard work. And so as I was thinking about this, uh, this conversation, I was thinking about, you know, how I, I got to where I was, and, and I keep coming back to luck, but I, I don't know, I think it's more than luck. Um, but I, I think that I've definitely had, uh, I, I've, I've, and, and I think maybe I chose these organizations, or I was um, uh, attracted to these kind of leaders that always appreciated that I wasn't, um, the cookie cutter version of the alternative. So when I think to my first opportunity at Spin Master, they, you know, I, I was able to somehow bring across in the interview that oh, Spin
0: Master makes Paw Patrol, right? Just so that yes, know. that's right. Okay. Master
1: made Paw Patrol um, and uh, and Hatchimals, and uh, they have a lot of great successes. Um, but when I that's the toy company. Sorry, I didn't uh, name them before. Um, but they, you know, I was able to get across in the interview that, that I was able to bring the skills required. And so I've, and, and it happened at Labatt and it happened at Target and it happened at, uh, my current job at Indigo that, um, I may not look like the, the typical or have the history of the typical person who would be in the role prior. Um, but I can bring the skills and I ha- I can learn and I can, I basically, I, th- I think I kind of, whether I convinced them or they were looking for somebody like me um, we were able to kind of make it work. And so I I think that what I do when I get to these jobs is I bring new, new thinking and new ways of doing things that they appreciate. And that's not everybody. I mean, sometimes there are some jobs where you need to have the experience that you need and you need to, in order to do the job. And, And so, um, you know, I, I think I've had the opportunity of finding roles that allow me to to kind of transfer my skills.
0: So I want to go back and think it, cause I really believe it's not just about your skills. Yes. I a hundred percent believe you have amazing skills and you can deliver on these jobs, but I think it's more, I think it's, you have this ability to connect with the people and then quickly build those relationships within the company to get the results. And then it's like, repeat. I think that's what it is. It's like you jump in, you have the skill or you figure it out, right? You're resourceful, you figure it out. And the first thing that it sounds like you do is like you build those relationships. And because you have those relationships, things happen, momentum happens, you get these amazing results, people see and they're like, okay, we want that on our team.
1: I definitely think that relationships are a really big part of everything. I mean, not just work, it's life. And I think if you um can build those relationships and and to me I I I'm I think I'm I think I'm naturally a relationship builder, but I also invest a lot of time in it. So my my friends often talk about the fact that I am I'm always getting everybody together or I am very good at staying in touch and um whenever I leave an organization, I always joke with people that like, okay, so now you've been promoted from colleague to friend. So let's stay in touch. And, and I definitely spent a lot of time and energy, not, and I don't think of it as networking, but it probably is, um, you know, building, not even building, but maintaining my network, because these are people that I like that I genuinely want to stay in touch with. And, and so I invest a lot of time in that and making sure that those relationships are in place. Yeah. I a hundred percent see that
0: in you. And even like, we didn't talk to each other for like 12 years years. and like, it's like a day never passed. Honestly, I want to go back to when we worked together at Canadian Tire, because this was this really special time. And I think like, we didn't really know about networking. We didn't really fully understand the power of relationships, but I don't know if you remember our raclette nights.
1: I I do a little bit when like I So
0: I remember it so. So at Canadian Tire, we they used to have these sample sales where you would buy like they would just put it in a room. It'd be like merchandise samples that buyers would have. And there was a group of us that all worked together, all women, all pretty motivated. And one of us, I don't remember who it was, found this raclette machine, which is this cheese melting machine. You melt cheese in little frying pans and then you have a grill on top where you put potatoes and meat.
1: I don't remember this.
0: You don't remember? Okay, this is how it started. So one person bought that. Maybe you weren't at the first one, but one person bought that, and then we decided, you know what, we're going to meet for dinner, and we're going to use this machine, and we're going to try it, and we're just going to talk about work and lift each other up, and then it became into, uh, into a monthly meetup. Do mm. you remember
1: those? I do. It's the, it the, the lean-in circle before lean-in circles.
0: Yeah. So I feel like we had our own lean in circle before the lean in circle. And it was really this idea of like building those relationships, lifting each other up. And I think Morgan was in your re- wedding, right? Yes. She was yes. in it. And I was in hers. Yeah. yeah. You were in each other's weddings and it was like building those relationships and keeping them together and having that place where you're lifting each other up. So I think, yeah.
1: I mean, studies show that women who have uh, support groups of other women just do better. And I, ha- I actually have, uh, I have individual relationships uh, with, you know, very impressive women that I consider my friends and my supporters and my mentors. But I also have a group of uh, friends from MBA. And uh, we met together in our MBA program and we get together on a monthly basis and, um, and we, we offer that support for each other. We kind of go round circle and talk about our, our work and our families and our challenges and, uh, and just support each other. And it's, it's I think, a very special um, thing. I, I, you know, not everybody has that. And, and so, you know, a, a good plug for Lean In is that we support circles and we can help you get in touch with other um, women to, to build a circle of, of, of women that can do that for you, um, but I think it's really important to find your group of people. And, and you know, it's one thing to talk to your really, really close friend, you know, over a glass of wine about you know your your kids. That's not the same as having examples of women who you admire and and respect um, talk about real things on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. It's because it's like the role model, right? Like you need yeah. to see it. You need someone to kind of unpack that stuff with you. And yeah, I've read the studies too. Women that, are, that support other women are more successful.
1: Yeah, and, and to cheer you on. Like I, I look forward to our meetups. So, you know, to tell them what I'm doing and to have them say, yay, good for you and, and to hear what they're doing and be so impressed with them and their development and their life, whatever that is and, and their challenges too. And that, you know, we've had, we've gone through, Um, Over the last 13 years we've gone through job losses and babies and divorces and marriages and um, It's really nice to have that group of people
0: Yeah, I love it So I always ask people to take action within 24 hours after they learn something new and you gave us a lot of information today about finding a network about kind of finding opportunities for yourself and going for it but what's kind of one thing that you can give people to really do in the next 24 hours if they want to kind of take that step either to invest in themselves or learn something about the gender gap
1: amazing so i'm going to give two so one the the very easy thing that you can very easily do is go to leanincanada.com there's leanin.org which is the u.s um like the big foundation and then there's the canada version um which is a more local approach and and you can find um information about events and uh, uh, speakers and lean in circles. Um, so leaninCanada.com is uh, or leanin.org. Um, and sign up, uh, it's free and you can uh, get a ton of information. There's a ton of resources there about what you can do um, for your career and from a um, you know, equality and development and perspective. So that I would say easy. Um, the second thing which I, I often tell uh, people to do is, and this is a little more difficult is, uh, cause it requires real thinking and soul searching is make a list, uh, pen and paper, make a list of the things that really matter to you about your job and, um, and, and be honest because, uh, don't, you know, if salary is important because you need to you need to pay rent or you're saving for you know running your own business or whatever it is, then it matters and don't don't think of yourself as shallow. If the commute matters, then it matters. If the brand that you're working for is important to you because you want to go to parties and say that you work somewhere, then that is important to you um, and and doesn't have to be you know fulfilling. Like if if that's not important to you, if it is amazing, then that should rise to the top. So make a real honest list about what matters to you. If if it's flexibility in your day, if it's, you know, fast career progression, uh, whatever it is, make a list of the things that matter to you and then rank them. And those are the jobs that you need to be going after. And you can reassess this list. I've rewritten my list many, many times as my life has changed, but make this list um, and stick to it. And, And if you find that that list does not match the job that you're in, then you're not in the right job. And um, they may be wonderful for a lot of things. It may be really close to home. It may be really, you know, comfortable. You may really like your friends at work. Um, You may have been there and, you know, got a promotion and you're really grateful, but if it doesn't meet the requirements of what you need to be to feel happy and satisfied and fulfilled and feel like you're successful in your career, then you need to reassess. And, And I would encourage you to make the list, an honest list, and then truly take a look at it and take action accordingly. I love it. I love that. So just getting crystal clear on what you want and then take action. Yeah, that's my, my, that's my MO. Awesome. So thank you so much, Gail. This was really great. This is really great. great. You shared so
0: much great information with us. And I love, I just love getting this behind the scenes take on like this rapid career progression to really Having fun, awesome jobs. So thank you so much for sharing that story.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been great.
0: Before you go, I wanted to tell you about my brand new Ambitious Everyday Journal. It's actually a PDF and it is totally free and it's a process that you can do over 9 days that will help you figure out what ambition means to you and help you set goals that are aligned with your ambition so that you can feel fulfilled you can feel like you want to do the work to make those goals happen and this is actually the same process that i walk all of my clients through so you know those clients that are bringing in $25 million deals for their company clients that are going out and negotiating themselves $15,000 raises this is Where they all started in this exercise that I call What Drives Your Ambition. So if you want to get your hands on that, head to Andrea Jansen.com forward slash journal and grab yours today. Hey! if you're still listening to the podcast if you've made it this far i would probably assume that you're getting some value out of these weekly podcasts and i would like to ask you a favor if you could take a minute to give me a review on itunes so click on the podcast give me some comments give me some feedback because that helps spread the word about the Diversity at Work podcast and it helps to build more diversity champions and get people learning, get people curious about what it's really going to take to close the gender gap. And after you've done that, if you still have some time, you could take a screenshot of the podcast and post it in your social media. That can help spread the word as well. Thank you so much.